Yeah, I feel like the meat. Uh, I I feel like the meat of the show is probably going to be talking about the different terrain and the way that it impacts games. Hey, welcome back to another exciting episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. My name is Jeremiah. I'm Dan. And this is Chad. And we are a podcast dedicated to miniature wargaming, including War Machine and Hordes by Privateer Press. Our goal here is to inspire you to play more. And I think we're actually going to achieve that goal today uh, because today we the hot topic is uh, the new Steamroller Packet. 2021 has been um, announced, or at least some of the changes have been announced. The actual packet doesn't get released until June or late June. But today we're going to talk about some of those changes. And then, and can you believe it? We've got opinions. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Steamroller Packet started CID testing uh, last week. So week one, I yeah. think week two will probably be getting announced here very shortly. So that's what it is that we're going to be talking about. So these are the proposed changes to the Steamroller Packet from the previous year. Um, so some of them could stick, some of them could still change before the packet officially gets released, I believe, at the end of June uh, or this summer. Um, so that's what it is that we're going to be talking about. Yep. As we talk about the Steamroller uh, CID, I'm going to have a link in the show notes. And so you can click that link and follow along as we talk. So, hey, uh, let's talk about games that we have played. What... Uh, have you played any games lately? Oh, this is where the shame comes in. We're dedicated to playing miniature games, and I haven't played any miniature games. <laughs> yeah. But that might change. I, I might uh, join that online tournament, uh, what, Tide and Skull or whatever. I'm debating on nice. it. I have a more days to decide to join in. Totally a shark tank that I'll probably get chewed up in. But at least I get to play something. <laughs> hey, a shark's got to eat, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I haven't played, I unfortunately have not played any miniatures games. I've been thinking more about playing games. Um, <laughs> uh, one of our, I think our, that counts, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, one of our, our buddies in our circle of friends that has been coming over and gaming during this, um, came over, played some rock band, and then we played a couple games of commander, uh, Saturday. Um, now that my work schedule has changed and I have weekends off, which is weird. Um, and then Sunday, I didn't do much. I did some painting and stuff. Um, Saturday, yeah. Friday night and Saturday. I'll talk about that later. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, since our last uh, recording, uh, I went or tried to go on vacation. Kind of took vacation, I guess. I don't know. Uh, in my line of work, vacation is a weird thing because I still ended up working on my in my vacation. But... Um, uh, but so I haven't gotten much gaming in because I was trying to dedicate that time because of my anniversary and stuff to the wife and to the family and stuff like that. But um, the only games that we've been really ever playing uh, is Flesh and Blood. So the, the, that card game. Oz and I have been playing a fair amount of the Blitz format and, um, and we're having fun doing that. So, and uh, I finally beat him yesterday and he was a little upset about it. <laughs> and so then so the second game uh i was winning i had him down to one life and he did this magic thing that killed me 
So a, a nice come from behind win from him on the second game yesterday, but he was mad the whole time because it wasn't his day. And then he yeah. couldn't even rejoice when he beat me. But it was. Uh, he's a Sith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun game. It's fresh. I love it. And so we we you know we've been we've been diving in slowly. So you know we'll, we'll roll into the store and we'll buy a couple packs at a time of each set, and then and then we'll take it home and we we split the classes, but then we keep whatever general stuff we pull. So that's how we've been dividing it up. And it's been fair and equitable. It's been nice. So, yeah. So, yeah. Good on us playing miniatures. <laughs> hey. But we have an exciting topic today. We have a good topic today. And I think, and and I'm just going to put this out in the, in, in the very beginning. I think that uh, with the announcement of the Steamroller CID beginning, and with the announcement that the packet's going to get finalized, I feel like maybe we're making the turn and our community is starting to begin, maybe get hopeful again about games and things like that. So um, I'm, that's what I'm holding out for. I'm holding out for hope. But what we want to do yeah. is we want to talk about the changes that are announced, right? And I think we divided it up into like three sections and... We want to begin with objectives, right? Yes. So, uh, so my understanding is three objectives are being dropped and three are being added, or at least one is, or no, two are being dropped, two are being added, one is being changed. So, yeah, am I right? Okay. So the two being dropped are stockpile and treasure chest. So stockpile was the one that um, uh, gave free charges, I think. Yeah, and then the treasure chest was um, it's kind of a mix. Uh, it was the luck, luck roll, the luck, bad, the luck roll. Yeah, and then so those are going away. We're not going to be able to have those, but we can get other things that are going to help us in our games. So why don't you guys? Um, one of you tell us about the two. That are being added, and we'll talk about the changed one sec, uh, third. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, one of them we have up, which is uh, shrine. So this one's going to be giving ward of protection. So basically, during the control phase, you choose one friendly faction model within four inches of the model, and then they get um, Aegis, which why they just couldn't say immune to continuous effects. <laughs> Now you got to remember a new term, Aegis, because I don't think that's been in War Machine boards, has it? I think it's in... Uh... Um, I'm not sure if it has or not. I feel like it's a term for um, the Paladins of Protectorate. Okay, because it makes me think about it as like Aegis from Warcaster. But So basically, Shrine's going to give you immune to continuous effects, which, uh, I mean... It's nice. It does definitely have some effects, you know, continuous effects being such as like burning, right? Uh, acid. Um, so could be kind of good, I guess, depending on what you're going to give it to. Maybe if you're uh, playing into Protectorate, since you bring them up, you know, got yeah. fire as much. Or for me, I've kind of been like, well, I've already got trolls in the stone. So I have a nice stone aura that basically gives me no continuous effects anyway. Yeah. I mean, so personally, I don't 
I'm not going to see myself, I think, taking this one as much compared to some of the others as we get into them. But yeah. I can definitely see some good effects for if you need to run through like Burning Earth or a Burning Cloud or an Acid Pool or some other stuff that you have Pathfinder, but you don't have ways to get through that. Now, granted, it is only one friendly faction model, so probably just going on your, like, yeah. your solos, I would imagine, or maybe your caster to get in a certain spot. Yeah. Um, and most of those guys may not worry about one acid damage as much, but that fire damage could be something that bites you on the next turn for sure. Yeah. The other yeah. thing that's important to note about it is that um, when you gain the, Ag the Aegis ability, if you were already suffering from a continuous effect, it expires. I yes. don't know if that's always true for the other. I, I assume it's probably true for the for the Creel Stone, but it's been a while. Yeah, um, but this but one gets you control phase. To clarify so, that. Yeah, that, man, that's a good point too. Because what if you're like guys on one last health and he's acid? You hit him with this and it takes it off with the stone. I, I would already go through rolling for it or not, right? Or yeah. maybe someone's on fire. So that's a good point where. If you're close, but you also now got to be within four inches of it, so it has yeah. to be good planning. But I also wanted to uh, affirm you, Chad. Uh, did a quick little search. Um, Aegis is a keyword that already exists. The attendant priest has it as one of its prayers. Okay, that's and, what it was. So, I, that's yeah, models in this unit are immune to continuous effects for one round, and what yeah. the objective does shrine is it adds that removes what what was already on it. So it's yeah, even right. slightly better. So good, good memory, good call. Yeah, I I knew it sounded protectory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. As a circle player, um, there's uh, I mean, not a huge amount of stuff that has immunities to different elements and things like that. Um, but I feel like with I feel like with the low armor. I don't get stuck with continuous effects very often because I usually die from the initial attack anyway. <laughs> but uh, it would I could see it being a little handy to, um, you know, if there's a heavy that I have that's on fire. Um, a lot of the heavies, especially the living heavies for Circle, are lower armor. Um, you know, those Arm 17 Warp Wolves don't... I mean, you're probably okay from a Power 12 uh, fire roll if it doesn't go out. It's probably not doing a lot of damage, but I feel like that's bit me in the butt more times than it hasn't, or at least it sticks out a lot more of like yeah. somebody like, oh, okay, your dice off five on this fire roll. Cool. I rolled the 10, take five points of damage to an important branch that now it's crippled. Awesome. Yep. Um, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's just happened more times than it hasn't. Um, or, you know, uh, some of the solos that are important that maybe did survive the blast damage. Um, of get and are now set on fire. You can potentially uh, save them again if you're within four. Um, it's yeah. it's very situational, but a lot of the objective things are very situational like that. So um, I have not been playing any games since the rise of the Blight Archons and the uh, the new acid acid centric uh, Blight models in Legion. So I don't know if it's potentially mm -hmm. could make a difference against that. Um, or I don't know if there's been a rise in a lot of fire continuous effects in other factions, um, again, because we haven't really been playing very much. So could be a good, you know, corner case utility piece. Um, the advantage of, of it is 
you still get to pick your objective at the start of the game after you see what you're playing against. So yep. you could, at the last minute, pick this instead of something else. That's right. Hey, let's talk about the something else. The other new one is Wreckage. Dan, do you have the language for that one? Yes, so this one provides shelter. During your control phase, choose one friendly faction within four inches of this model. It's pretty typical on all these. That model gains concealment for one round. So, which again, is kind of a nice way to give a little extra uh, boost to defense, gives you that plus two, or if you have prowl, now it should activate stealth. Yeah. So you can kind of run around mid midfield. And my guess is most of the language on these is you don't have to stay within that four inches. You just have to be within four inches to gain the ability, yeah. gain the ability, and then you can go run off and do whatever. Yeah. So this could definitely be good for all sorts of abilities, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can see a lot of good uses for this again, especially uh, again going back to the trolls. There's a, quite a few prowl models right now that yeah. could benefit greatly. That I don't have to worry about going into the train, or I can I can command my placement a little bit better after I'm within this four inches and I can go run off with uh, my bears or something like that yeah. into a crazy position. And again, one friendly faction model. And so it's just a great little defensive one. I can see myself picking this one up uh, for a few games to definitely give it a good try. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, th I think this is also a really interesting one. So most of the time the objectives are pretty central in, in the middle of the deployment area kind of of your zones. Um, and so a lot of times it usually ends up hitting support models or like heavies or things like that, that are kind of in the center of your army waiting to punch out. However, um, one of the scenarios we'll go over later is the split decision scenario where the objectives are actually on the very far flank of the board. And yeah. I think this could be a really great utility piece because it's also very close to the flag at that side of the board to be yeah. able to give a model that's on the flag concealment and potentially triggering prowl and making it harder to remove a model from a flag or yeah. to protect a model maybe that is uh, coming on on the flank trying to get around to the backside of an army or maybe mm -hmm. something that ambushed off of the side giving something concealment um, as they move into position i think it's a really cool thing um i think this is basically going to be a must take for wormwood players in circle because the tree has prowl, and usually you're playing um, a unit of uh, Swamp God or Bellows crew, but this frees up um, the Bellows crew to either be out of position for one turn or to maybe move into position preemptively on the next turn uh, and still give Wormwood prowl, which is very, very important because he's a very big target. Uh, yeah. He doesn't want to get shot at. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think the, there's also uh, a number of other, like, troll... There's a couple of troll warlocks that have Prowl, don't they? Does, doesn't Jarl have Prowl? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know if Jarl actually has Prowl, but they they can definitely uh, enjoy the concealment, for sure. That extra plus two defense from range can be yeah. absolutely huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, throw this on Kalandra, who has Bullet Dodger, and then suddenly right. she's, like, defense 18. Like, that's... Uh, yeah. That's nothing to... That's nothing to, you know to ignore that's pretty yeah. it's pretty good right well, i mean then you get all sorts yeah. of like d cell casters could just make it a little bit harder i mean it just yeah. it definitely there's an overall theme i feel that is uh 
we as we go further through that is definitely attacking um i think gun lines or uh range centric lists this yeah. is kind of bringing us a little bit again um to some uh, small reprieve <laughs> yeah exactly melee focus type stuff going on yeah, yeah. so the, the third uh change in the objectives is armory and I want to talk about this one as a former Kador player. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I was playing Kador, um, uh, there was a lot of weird things going on um, that I didn't have a lot of answers for in some of my lists, didn't have magic attacks, and I had very few sources of it. And so Armory was actually one that I took a lot. And so the change now says this, during your control phase, Choose one friendly faction model within four inches of this model and one of its weapons. That model gains damage type magical for one round. And what I love about this is if I, you know, gave previously, it used to be just your next attack. And so you can walk up and, and swing and whiff, or you can have a, a jack fully loaded, right? And, and you can walk up and swing and then sure you hit but you only get one good you know one attack or whatever and yeah. then you just kind of stand there and going uh and so now you have the since you get to choose a weapon if you have the ability to attack multiple times that weapon retains the magical um damage type for that round and um so for so for each repeated use and i just i just feel like that's 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 really good um i think it's more helpful so yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think there's some good potential in there. This is one I th I see might change through CID. Is my my thought is maybe they'll just I don't know. It's it's hard because it's like the one weapon. Lots of models have more than one weapon. So are they going to keep it at one weapon? Is that going to be powerful enough, or is all weapons too powerful? Right. So I'm wondering how that one will. I think all weapons is too powerful, uh, especially for something that has. Uh, like some of the larger models that are gun platforms, like a Stormwall comes to mind. Yeah, uh, Stormwall can output a lot of gunshots in a single round, and you can still give it magical weapons if you take an eye on it and Holt. Uh, but you know, then you're sinking points in and, and a bunch of other things. Um, I think leaving it at one weapon, I think, is probably strong enough. Uh, one of the points that they called out is like, is this too strong against things like the Wraith engine in Cricks? Yeah. Um, I think it has that potential of being a little bit too tipping the scales a little bit too much because I can tell you that a war like a souped up warwolf stalker doesn't care if it only gets it on one weapon if his one weapon is its sword that is already stronger than the other weapon it can do a lot of damage to something like it can very easily yeah. one round a a wraith engine that it couldn't normally really attack very easily before. Um, so that's the question is like for Jax, it's probably a little bit more balanced that it's only on one weapon because they have a limited number of attacks usually. Uh, I think on War Beasts is where you're going to see it be a little bit more imbalanced because of the nature of Fury and the ability to keep buying attacks. Uh, some of the access that we have to free charges, especially in Circle, like a Hunter's Mark that thing. Okay, cool. Now I get a free charge. My Warpulf Stalker gets an initial sword attack plus four more sword attacks, like, that's five sword attacks, and if I'm only warping for strength with no other buffers, that's five attacks at pound 19 against something that would normally be protected 
because it's incorporeal. And yeah. five five attacks of pound nineteen will probably kill a wraith engine. And that's yeah. not assuming yeah. that I don't have something else to throw on it, which almost always happens. Um, yeah. that's a good point. But I mean, like I, bomber, check I it think out. It, <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things where, like, I I feel like this is a really great change for some of the war machine factions that don't really have as easy access and have limited ways to reach out and touch you from from a range and where they need that incorporeal, you know, that way to deal with an incorporeal model. Uh, but I worry that it's going to be a little bit too powerful for uh, the melee uses uh, on the horde side, especially in like trolls where your mauler, you know, your mauler's fury five. Oh, people don't see maulers anymore. It's all about the pirate troll. You're fine. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Brawlers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, but yeah, I think, exactly. I think it's a great change, but I think they're going to keep a very close eye on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point on that one. So, yeah. Now, the other three, fuel cache, dugout, and observatory, are staying the same. And I think it's important to note before we leave the objective section of our podcast is um, is that the, the changes to the scenarios, they are all going to have objectives now. Yes. And so keeping an eye and paying attention to these is important. There's been yeah. There's been a lot of games where Oz and I don't even pay attention and and we just go, uh, I'm going to take the healing one, you know, yeah. and like, yeah. you know, and so it's like, you know, and so now it's it part of your list construction and part of knowing your opponent's force is where, where am I going to need some help in this battle, in this matchup? And, and so um, I think it, I think it'd be important for, for everyone. Like for me, I print my cards out, you know, cause I like having the tactile when I play. I think I'm just going to print this page and yeah. cut them up and then put them in plastic sleeves and, and just have it on the table every time. Yeah. Cause like treasure trust, I never remembered my extra roll or my reroll, yeah. like, you know, and so this is just things you can do to remember what your guys can do. So get in the habit of using a token to indicate it. Yeah. Yeah. 3d printer. Just, yeah. Just print yeah, right. <laughs> So, so the next section, the next section we're going to talk about is probably going to be the bulk of the discussion. I think a lot because I feel like there's a lot to talk about with the uh, the new introduction of different terrain features. So with this packet, they introduced five new terrain features. They are crater, quickstand, open grave, tall grass, and windstorm. Uh, so some of them are just like uh, two of them, crater and open grave, are kind of ways to replace the trench templates with different things uh which some stores or some local areas i think had already done similar things like this before but these just kind of make them official um quicksand is a new hazard tall grass is a new uh concealment uh option and windstorm is a new very unique um terrain feature to help melee centric armies against um ranged heavy armies uh so the first one um crater is treated as a trench template except that it is irregularly shaped and often circular uh trenches should be no larger than five inches in diameter unlike trenches though craters cannot be placed in contact with other craters and must follow the normal rules for restricted terrain so restricted terrain is that it can't be 
within three inches of another piece of restricted terrain. Trench templates were allowed to break this rule because it's, you know, it makes a sense that you don't just build one trench on a battlefield. You probably build a couple of them next to each other. Um, and it created kind of weird pieces of scenario that were like really big sections where you could pop an entire unit or like a couple of heavies into a trench. Um, but, uh, according to the 2019 steamroller, it's actually two inches. Oh, two inches. Okay. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, within two inches of another piece. Maybe that changed. I think it used to be three, but yeah. um, I think this is a, I think this is an interesting piece. Uh, uh, just another option for trenches that uh, the idea is kind of that it fits a little bit more thematically with like a blasted battlefield themed table where like, mm -hmm. you're not really going to have trenches or you're not going to have trenches all over the place, but you could have a couple of craters from, you know, that victor shelling the table before the battlefield or on the battlefield before the battle. Which the victor can lay trench templates or crater templates, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> or for a round, right? So, yeah, that one makes really good sense. Like I said, I like the idea that it adds a little bit more thematic and mixes up the terrain a little bit. Not to mention, these ones can be real easy terrain to add as you can just flip over a forest if you want any regular shape or yeah. you could use just a circular aoe template or something like that so it's a real easy feature to add into your terrain without having to go buy new terrain or yeah. make something else right you can just literally flip over a piece of terrain and there you go there's your trench yeah so um i don't think there's anything too special else about the trench really dive into like i said it's just a different yeah. shape uh or a crater sorry it's just a different shaped trench yeah uh so the the next one that is kind of similar is the open grave so an open grave is treated as a trench template except that it is smaller an open grave trench template is exactly two inches by three inches an open grave can be placed within one inch of each other regardless of terrain placement restrictions Open graves should be placed uh, by the EO in clusters. Uh, count two or four, two to four open graves as a single terrain feature when determining how much terrain has been placed on the table. And it's unrestricted. So you can have these all over the table. You can have an entire table of open graves. Um, <laughs> I think this is another good option. Um, I think this is another good, interesting way to create unique terrain pockets on the table as people are getting across the battlefield which as an as a former eo that was always something i tried to do whenever i was you know initially setting up tables is i don't want the role to always determine oh i just need to win this role so that i can go first because going first is better um i wanted the terrain to be unique um i wanted which side of the table you're starting from to be an important decision um and it bothered me very greatly when people decided that they didn't like the way that the terrain had been set up because they felt like it was imbalanced and then changed it. I actually had that happen at an event at a top table where they decided that they didn't like the play, the way that I placed a forest next to a flag and they changed it. And they came huh. back by and saw the change and asked them why they did it. And they said, oh, well, we, fall, we felt like it was imbalanced or it wasn't placed correctly. I said, no, 
I did that on purpose. Next time I set a table for you, don't change the terrain. And it was very frustrating because I specifically did it so that the side of the table choice was an important decision. Um, I think this is a, an interesting way, again, to create some more trench templates to create safety for uh, key models instead of maybe heavies um, because you won't fit them. Well, I think yeah, you can. It's two yeah. inches, so you're you're fitting just in because a uh, fifty millimeters yeah. is like two point or uh, what one point nine inches somewhere yeah, in there. It's just under two inches. That's right. I remember reading the over thing about it is like, um, in in a single one of them you can fit um, any of the uh, small, medium, or large, uh, and then or you can fit three smalls into it in a little cluster, which I think yeah. is is pretty cool. I mean, that's a big open grave, just saying. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's the that's the point of an open grave is it's not a personalized space <laughs> built for the big boys. But yeah, yeah. I and mean, this one is definitely kind of more interesting because, like you said, you can having those clusters is kind of a neat idea where you let's say you do have a five person unit of mediums and you could have three or four of them in those graves, but then you got a couple sticking out, so. Yeah. It, it gives some interesting clustering up or your your small bases maybe they all cram in there and so it's a it's a neat little way again to spice that flavor of trenches and just change it a little bit yeah so what do you think jeremiah um honestly i'm thinking about um the one halloween scenario oh um, yeah from a couple years ago yeah, and um, and how much fun that was, and and like, and and way back in the day, like way, way, way back in the day, when we were playing HeroClix, there was uh, there was like a mausoleum map that had yeah. that had open graves where you could yeah. hide models in and stuff, and it just it was it was exciting, and so I'm looking at open grave, and I'm thinking to myself that this is something that that I would use a lot probably. Yeah. yeah, I think if you, and I think also from not a steamroller perspective, I think you could do some really interesting things with creating your own themed scenario. Uh, yeah. Actually, bringing that up gave me this idea is like, um, this does open potential with these defined types of terrain for making some very unique, um, very unique scenario interactions for a thematic scenario later so like maybe when they do yeah. um the halloween one again uh the harvest um maybe you put open graves out on the table and at some point you roll for a chance of like undead models to get resurrected and come yes. out of there and start attacking nearby models or stuff yes. or like if you're near an open grave if you get destroyed by something near an open grave maybe your body goes into the grave and like it doesn't produce a corpse token or something like that like um i think that's really cool and i think that's a, yeah. a cool option to explore for people who don't always like primarily the sr packet is meant for terrain or sorry not terrain it's meant for tournament purposes but all of these things do still technically apply to like just open play games or, yeah. um, you know, friend like fun local events that you could do. You could spice things up yourself if you wanted to. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to get a new map because I don't have like a hillside map. I've got the, okay. you know, like the the War Machine city terrain thing, like the road thing, yeah. and I've got the the Legion icy wasteland. 
and stuff. So I'm going to have to give myself another four by four map. Yeah. I might look at something that Mats by Mars does um, and see if I can, because I want to create this. And I've got some 3D terrain that I use for Frostgrave, yeah. like to create mausoleum and stuff. Yeah. So you, you already have, uh, you can have below ground things with open grave. You can have above ground things with like tombstones that, you know, yeah. it can act as like a wall, the rules for the wall, you know? Yeah. And, you know, mausoleum is a line of sight blocking building terrain and just, oh yeah, I'm, I'm already imagining this fantastic theme board. <laughs> uh, this is my, this is probably my new favorite addition, I think. Um, or maybe one. you fall in, maybe you fall into the open grave that's dug pretty deep, and you land in the crypt below the mausoleum. Hey oh, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the thing. have like a board yeah. off to the side for when that happens. Yeah, you're yeah, like transported cool. onto a new map. <laughs> that'd be crazy. Uh, so the next one we're going to go over is going to be the quicksand, which is a new hazard. Uh, hazards got introduced in one of the re more recent steamroller packets. Um, I think a couple of years ago, I don't remember now, as the burning earth or the acid pools, um, they were already things that some people, I think, had tried to kind of start doing. And I think adding another one is kind of interesting, especially because this one is very unique. Uh, mm -hmm. So quicksand is a hazardous rough terrain that is represented by a three, four, or five-inch AOE template. Models lose and cannot gain Pathfinder while within the quicksand, and models become knocked down while within the quicksand and suffer, or sorry, models that become knocked down while within the quicksand suffer one point of damage. It is restricted hazard terrain, so you cannot, you know, put a whole bunch of them, can't make a giant pool of quicksand around a flag to make it hard to get to. But you definitely can kind of string a couple of them along in a line two inches apart if you wanted to. Uh, but this one's very unique because this is the first terrain feature I think that we've seen that actually uh, that Pathfinder doesn't get to ignore, which is pretty yeah. pretty important. Uh, it's a very key thing. I feel like you can see this become... Um, I can see this one getting used a lot more because Pathfinder is so abundant. Uh, especially with there's a lot of factions that have pretty easy access to it. Circle basically almost the entire faction has it, so we like almost never care about terrain. And people always complain about how much Circle doesn't care about that. Uh, at least in my experience as a Circle player, um, I think this is a really interesting piece that stops everyone unless you are incorporeal or flying, which there are a handful of you know. Legion has a lot of flying. There's flying in some other factions. Um, also with the introduction of Aurora 2 and the yep. reworking of Aurora 1, giving things uh, flying on a stick is pretty interesting. Um, so this obviously doesn't affect them unless you can knock them down. Um, but I think it's really interesting as a, uh, as a hazard choice to make unique channels um, on the table. So uh, I'm I'm excited to like implement this on a desert table that uh, uh, to make things a little interesting. Yeah, no, I definitely like and I like the idea too. Where with flying, usually a lot of the trick was right. I'm gonna hide on this side of the forest or on this side of the building, and then I'm just going to walk over. Well, fly over with my walk speed, right? Yeah. And next thing you know, you're on the other side. This at least you can see over it. It's not blocking that line of sight. Yeah. So you can't just stand on the other side going, ha ha, you yeah. know, 
and then or incorporeal doing their thing right you actually kind of have to find ways to protect them or play around so yeah i definitely think it's a it's an interesting one that will see some play now i'm i'm a little sad because uh, i don't have a bunch of incorporeal or flying <laughs> so there's, um, no, there's no flying trolls what I know. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so kind of. They can yeah. make rocks fly, but they can't fl make themselves fly. Come on, trolls. <laughs> Try harder. Oh, Try harder with your earth magic. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's going to be an interesting one to play around, right? Yeah. What do you think, Jeremiah, as a scorn player that has access to some trolls or some flying, a legion player who has access to a lot of flying? And a newly Signar player with access to uh, Dreyfus too when he comes out has oh, yeah. has flying yeah. right. Well, I'm not really a Signar player. I picked up the Signar <laughs> stuff to play in Strange Bedfellows. Um, oh, okay, I've just been playing Signar during the last because I'm lazy. So <laughs> in Brawl Machine almost exclusively. <laughs> yeah. So no, I've been playing 75 point lists lately. Last few have been 75 point lists. So, so you're um, a Signar player. I guess I am, but I, I can only do. <laughs> I have Maddox, like, yeah. and I guess I have Haley too somewhere. I don't. I just don't know where she is right now. Um, I'm I'm gonna look at Quicksand, and you know, and I feel like if I were a Protectorate player, I would want to see Quicksand because, and I would wanted to see it on the other side of the table, just so I could feel more level, like. You know, because like like Protector doesn't have a lot of access to you know to Pathfinder and you know and yeah. they you know and so anybody with Pathfinder can dance around the terrain around Protector easier and so as a Protector player this you know I, I imagine I would you know this probably makes me happy um, so long as it's not on my side of the table um, yeah. but um, I don't know I think it's uh, I think it 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 does something because it takes something away. And yeah. and that's an intriguing design choice, and um, and I think that it's important that we have design choices that add things, and then design choices that take away, and um, yeah. and so and so I'm I'm fine. Yeah, it's also a unique one um, where it's the I think it's the first time in a long time that. Uh, we have a terrain feature that affects you in a harmful way when you become knocked down. Because the rule yeah. for water used to be that if a warjack got knocked down in water, the boiler went out, and then your warcaster had to go back over and reignite it and get them to stand back up. So it used to be a very common tactic to take something with two open hands, go over to a warjack, and just chuck them into water. Nice. To put the to <laughs> deal with them, if you couldn't, that was a common way to kill or to deal with clamjacks and Kador because armor twenty five is really hard to deal with. It used yeah. to be really hard to deal with for a lot of factions, and yeah. they they weren't immovable before. So you could just grab them and huck them into some water and be like, "All right, I'll deal with you later." Like yeah. <laughs> you're you're at least gonna not be a problem for probably two turns, and then I'll yeah. figure something out eventually. <laughs> Actually, a pretty good idea. Yeah, I was gonna say, a good idea. Even yeah. with this, is like you could, if you can throw something in it, you may not kill it like a jack per se, right? But 
at the same token, a lot of those jacks, you're going to slow down and not have to worry about them for at least a turn, if yeah. not turns, before they can actually move back into position yeah. or get at you. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Or even or even some war beasts too. Like yeah. if you knock them down and you're if you get to the back edge, like if you happen to throw into the back edge of that and you're looking at going through, you know, even just one and a half or two inches of the rest of that AoE, yep. like you're you're killing probably five inches of movement. So yeah. like they're either having to try and charge at something close by to get out of the terrain feature, or you're looking at them spending a, an entire turn running to get into position. Yep. Um, not to mention the resource expenses of like spending a focus or using a fury to stand back up again to get your full yep. movement. If they're choosing not to do that, then they're probably like they're either backing away uh, and getting further away to get out of the AUE faster, or they're spending an entire turn trying to walk through it. And then, you know, it's a again, like it's a unique terrain feature that um, I think makes unique interactions on the on the table. Yep. Uh, so the next one that we're going to talk about is the Tall Grass. Uh, so Tall Grass is a rough terrain feature that provides concealment to smaller medium bases completely within its parameter. Uh, this terrain feature should uh, be approximately the same size as most forests. And it's unrestricted, so you can put them next to each other. Um, this is a really cool idea. Um, I like the idea of having terrain that benefits non-large or larger base models. Um, I think that's a unique choice. Uh, also, again, gets to change things up thematically where like if you're out in some rolling hills, highlands, there's probably not that many patches of forest if you want to play something that is strictly really thematic, but there could be some tall grass. Um, this is also really interesting for those prowl solos to proc where you, you know, get into a position in the table uh, and and have stealth, but then also not be restricted by the line of sight deprivation uh, that a forest can have or can cause. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of that double-edged sword that it, it adds to provide of the concealment for the stealth. You can still see into it, so someone could still charge you, but vice versa, you can still charge out of it very easily. Um, I think this is something that my gallows groves are definitely happy to see because... I want to put them into a terrain feature that gives them stealth, but doesn't restrict my line of sight if I want to channel through them. So um, I think this is a really cool, uh, a cool option. Um, I like the idea of a bunch of trolls moving across yeah. the table and then like crouching <laughs> into some tall grass. <laughs> You're you a champion just hiding in this grass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, what's funny is you mentioned a circle. I, like, I think circle would dislike this one because they love forests, right? Like most circle models, I think love forests. Whereas this isn't going to give them quite the same benefit. Um, but, like, kinda, but, eh. but we don't ignore it for line of sight purposes for the most part, unless Correct. you're playing a devourer's host list where everything had almost everything has tree walker. Uh, we don't mm. ignore it for line of sight purposes. So like we don't get to charge out of it. We like it because we ignore the the movement penalty and we Correct. get the the defense bonus, but we don't like it for the the line of sight cutting, which can yeah. make some weird uh, positioning issues on the table. Yep. Well, but I think this is also another great option. Uh, let's see, is it? It's, it is. It is still rough terrain, so it does slow yeah. down other stuff that doesn't have Pathfinder. 
um, which is another nice option. It's also nice to have something that is it's a, a good alternative to rubble because rubble is really great, but uh, it's great because it adds a defensive bonus uh, without restricting your line of sight. But the the difference between a plus four and a plus two is very big, and sometimes you don't want a bunch of rubble, or sometimes people avoid using rubble because the plus four benefit is really strong. Yeah, I like it. I see some good po parts with it, and, and again, you can just flip over your forest terrain and call it tall grass, you know, yep. or yeah. so another feature where you can use it right away to try yep. it out. Yep. Uh, so the last one that we have is Windstorm, which is very unique. Um, I don't think we've had really any other terrain features that were similar to this, uh, except for maybe in some sort of a special scenario. So Windstorm is open terrain, uh, but is represented by a 3, 4, or 5-inch AOE template when a model completely within the perimeter of a windstorm makes a ranged attack or is targeted by a ranged attack, the attack suffers minus three range. This is unrestricted, so you can put them next to each other, right on top of each other. Um, again, very unique. Uh, it's designed to kind of help uh, melee-centric armies get across the table. Uh, at first, when I read this, I was very worried that ranged models would just completely avoid it and stay out of it, and then I continued reading and saw that if you are standing inside of it, you still get the benefit, which I think yeah. is important and great, because Windstorm is a spell, or Wind Blast is a similar spell, where you put an AoE down on the table, uh, and it basically does the same effect, but it's really easy just to avoid the AoE, and then you're wasting Fury, or Focus, or something else, is something that doesn't really do anything. Because it doesn't benefit you if you step into it. Uh, whereas this one still does. So you should note on this too, is it doesn't, uh, as far as I see, it doesn't say that it's a cloud effect, so it can't just easily be dissipated or got rid of. Right. Um, and, also, and also, that if you do the 5-inch windstorm, a huge base model could sit in it and benefit from it. So again, one of the limited train features that actually a huge base can benefit from. Yes. Right? So now granted yep. it'll be the only thing in the five inch, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it can still have that, which is a great way to kind of protect. I mean, um, and I wonder if this will stack with other things such as the Storm Raptor can uh, it stack all of its minus ranges, you know? Yeah. So yeah, could you imagine Old Witch too, standing in the windstorm terrain and casting windstorm? Right. Is that, an, is that a minus eight then? I mean, uh, they're, different, yeah. they're different things, right? Yeah. So basically you just can't attack her unless you're really, really close for most yeah. things. <laughs> I mean, even range 11s would be three inches away. Yep. So um, now, granted, they do say this one should be further up the field, so you're going to be way up there anyway. What eighteen to twenty inches they suggest. Um, yeah. So you are fairly close, but yes, for if for some reason this table was set, you know set back and all of a sudden it's like you know fourteen inches off the table edge or something like that, then yeah, you could definitely have some crazy stuff going on. Yeah. But, uh, 
I, I would recommend that people do not do the really obnoxious thing and do not plant this um, on top of flags or objectives. Because that <laughs> would just be no fun for everyone involved. <laughs> well, and the objective would benefit from it. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, who's going to be the first person that just puts all these out on the same table? Oh, I'll do uh, it. The, yeah. answer, the answer to that is Nathan Kidwell. <laughs> Yeah. One of our locals who is known for making very atrocious battlefields from time to time <laughs> when he get when he gets the option to put terrain out, he has made some very obnoxious terrain tables. <laughs> so that's it for all of the uh, terrain, Jeremiah. You want to lead us into the scenario section? Sure. Yeah. Um, by my count, it looks like. Um, all of the existing terrain, um, sorry, I'm sorry, scenarios of this, of the existing scenarios, three of them changed, two of them stayed the same and one of them was replaced. Yes. And so let's go through, um, just, um, just, I guess, start, I'm, I got the 2019 steamroller packet right here. So let's just go in order. So scenario one was King of the Hill. And it has um, a circle, a 12-inch circle in the center of the board, and in the center of it, a flag. And then it has the two rectangle zones on the side. It's affectionately known as Championship Belt, I think. Is this the one? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then on the inside corner closest to you of the rectangle zone, on the right-hand side, is an objective. And... Previously, the rectangle zones were um, right up against the board edge. And what they decided to do with King of the Hill is move them closer to the center by three inches. So now they look more like a championship belt. And look even more. Yeah. The, the champion wrestler has lost weight. And yes. so, uh, so it's a tighter <laughs> belt. Um, yeah. And well, we, um, went from, I, we went from sumo to like midweight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it, I think, um, because you know, when you when you're so spread out, um, some forces aren't able to um, you know, not everyone has, you know, ambushing pieces, you know, not everyone has not every list has a high model count and, and with big control ranges and stuff. And so um and so this makes it so that you can focus a little bit more center. Um I like it too, also because just because it just it looks appealing. It looks just visually, it looks more appealing on the table than being pushed up all the way up against the edge. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a cosmetic thing for me. I don't really care. I like the I like the scenario in general. It's one that we play a lot. Yeah, so. yeah. I do. One thing I will point out is one. Um, not all maps that are always played are exactly four feet wide, right? Like some of them are, you know, 47 or 47 and a half, right? Yeah. So by pushing them in a little bit too is not being on the edge because some maps aren't four feet across. They're 47 inches or 47 and a half, right? And so this gives you that opportunity to kind of compensate for that without really affecting the center. Now, quarter inch, half inch probably didn't matter too much, but it was one of those. And again, my ninja bears still don't care. They'll still yeah. charge across and kill stuff. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think um, I think it's a good change. 
while the Ninja Bears can still make make the distance, um, I, it's a little. It makes it safer to be able to to toe the edge. So, yeah, because this can only be held by uh, Warjet or uh, Warjacks, Ward Beasts, and Battle Engines, and then Warcasters, Warlocks. Um, bringing them in so that you don't have to try and spread out as far, I think is good, especially for the armies that have difficulty doing that, especially for armies that don't have access to a lot of ranged weapons where like, it feels really bad if you stick a melee heavy in this, in that zone and then it's not doing anything other than destroying the objective and then just sitting there. Um, The other thing too is before when they were up against the, uh, the edge of the table, it basically guaranteed that if you put anything in the zone, an ambushing unit was getting to it, period. No matter yeah. what. Because three inches yeah. off the table edge, you've got seven inches. I'm sorry. You've got nine inches to the other end of the zone, which meant that even if you were outside of the zone, you weren't necessarily safe. You could still get hit. Yeah. Um, I think shrinking. And so it made ambush units extremely powerful for. Yeah. Um, denying that zone uh, if you had them. And I, I remember hearing a couple of people, a couple of local people talking about how last year's packet um, was extremely strong or benefited extremely well to armies that had decent or good ambush units like Ninja Bears. Yeah. I think bringing them in so that um, you're stretching a little bit more, you can probably put uh, a medium, you could probably put a light or a lesser in the zone um, and still control it and not worry about getting charged as easily without some threat extenders. Um, I think it's a good change. And a huge base can now contest the circle and rectangle. Yeah. Whereas before Which I think you is, and squeeze them in. But. Yeah. Which I think is fine um, because. Um, there were a, a couple of scenarios, and I feel like King of the Hill was a scenario where you could score five points in a single turn, um, which is very difficult to come back against if you're playing cautiously because you don't want to walk straight into an alpha, or if you're just slower uh, in a smaller model count. Um, I think being able to contest both of the zones is good and bad. Um it's good that you can't just lose accidentally um, in a single turn. Uh, but it's also like, it's very powerful for people who frequently play huge base models. Um, Cause now you have to deal with it. Yeah. That's a good segue to the next scenario, <laughs> which is bunkers. Yeah. Um, and bunkers has a rectangular zone on, on your side. And in the center, of the rectangular zone is an objective. And previously, it had three flags on the center line equidistant from each other. And the new change is they removed the center flag. And so you basically have two flags on the center line that are offset. And um, and I think this one was, this one was a weird one because the potential to score a lot a lot on a turn was there and and you can and you could lose accidentally if yeah. you didn't account for all of the flags yeah or if you didn't bring enough solos you just or if you hard yeah. Win. Yeah. yeah yeah or if you if you didn't commit hard enough to protecting those ones 
Yep. Um, I think yeah, I like the removal. Yeah, I think the removal of the center flag will um, mean that there's a little bit less action in the middle of the table. There's less reason to go towards the middle. Uh, the one change that I kind of wish is I, I kind of wish that the zones were a little bit closer together because I believe as they stand, they start 12 inches up the table and then it's six inches. So 12, 12, 24 plus another 12, the 12 inches apart from each other, yeah. which can be a very long stretch for some armies that are a little bit slower or if you're playing against an army that's got a really solid tar pit midline is like, maybe you're not controlling that flag in the middle of the table, but now you are effectively completely stopping an enemy army from getting to your zone and destroying your objective um, without having to go all the way around or fight really hard in the middle of the table. Um, and I feel like that can be a little bit, I think that can cause the game to stagnate pretty easily. Uh, and I just wish the zones were a little bit close, just a little bit closer. Yeah. Inch or two. Yeah. Yeah. But then you start getting, well, yeah, the drawback to that is that they're 12 inches up the table, which is like, they try to keep a lot of things standard distances of like 12 inches here, 16 inches here. Objectives are usually 15 or 18 inches up. If you move the zones up even by one inch, now they're 13, which is yeah. kind of a weird number. Um, but I mean, even if you moved each one to 13 inches up in the objective to 16 inches up, now there's only 10 inches between them. And I think that's a little bit more manageable. The third one that got changed is spread the net, uh, spread the net's kind of funny. Um, it has a circular zone in the center of the board and then it had two rectangular zones on on the sides of it, but the one that was on the right-hand side was closer to you, I think 16 inches from your board, and your opponent's one was a lot farther away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't do the math that fast. Yeah. But then yeah. it had um, and then it had this open space on the opposite quadrant where there is a flag. Um, the biggest change, the, the only change they really did to spread the net is uh, because they wanted to have objectives on all the scenarios, is they put an objective in the center of the rectangle zones. Yeah. So um, makes spread the net super hot. Still. Yeah, which, uh, as a note, those objectives are 19 inches up and 12 inches in from the right-hand edge of each player's table, there each is, player's yeah. side. So. so I think they definitely make them strikeable, and this is the new scenario where you can score those points or again, if you can, yeah, get a couple flags, the zone, clear an objective through shooting from your flag, ambushing in, all sorts of stuff, right? This one, I think, has now taken over the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, where you can score a lot of points, active, very, very yeah. active scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think the placement of the objectives can be very helpful for your assault on your opponent's flag. Yes. Depending on yes. what what objective you take. Yep. Yeah. Especially if you take the ammunition one and they stuck an incorporeal model on their flag. Now it's yep. not safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I think I think this is a good addition, especially because um if you were a slower army that was having trouble maybe getting into a good position, um 
for protecting your zone. Uh, your opponent can't just clear your zone and then run something in. They also have to deal with the objective. Uh, the objective yeah. can't be targeted until second, you know, until scoring starts. So that I think is a good scenario. That while it does mean that fast and far-reaching armies that go second can potentially score a lot of points in a single turn. They also have to really overextend because not only do you, not only can you just or do you have to just run something into the zone, you also have to put in a firepower over there to either destroy it in melee where you're really reaching or shoot it from afar, in which case you're doing, you know, you're committing a lot of firepower to that side of the board um, where like you can score a lot, but it also could potentially say stop you from losing because they have to destroy the objective before they can just run something into the zone and score. Yep. The, the fourth scenario, Invasion, is staying the same. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I then, think that's good. Yeah. Uh, we're going to skip scenario five, number six, Recon. It's staying the same. Um, I mean, they're both solid. I mean, when, and changing everything doesn't make sense. So, yeah. you know, keeping some things the same. But Anarchy is changing. Anarchy is going away and it's being replaced by split decision. So split decision is going to have, it's a weird one. It kind of looks like an aerial view of the Starship Enterprise, if you will. Uh, so yes. you, yeah. you've, got, uh, <laughs> you've got the, the circle zone. Um, let's say if I'm player one, the circle zone is going to be um, off center on the center line to my left and then and then uh and then the objective and the flags are going to be um 18 inches up on my right hand side and the the objective is going to be 12 inches from the edge and the flag is going to be 16 inches from the edge and then there's a third flag in the center of uh the circular zone so i think split decision came out this last year in some kind of scenario packet, and I don't remember what it was, but, but Oz and I actually been playing Split Decision a fair amount of times this last year, and so I'm pretty excited that it, it's made to the uh, Steamroller packet. Yeah. But what are your guys' thoughts on this new one? I find it kind of interesting, and uh, definitely plays into those uh, four inches away from your objective, protecting your flag, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Terrain, I think, will play huge features in this. Again, you're still Ambushing can still be good. Um, your flags then if 18, so that's 36. So again, they're 12 inches apart. So you could kind of still be attacking decently from one objective or flag to the other. Um, having a flag in the middle of the circle zone kind of adds that element too of getting someone over there. Uh, there's no war beast scoring elements on this. Yeah, there's so, no square zones on this one. Yeah, so I'm wondering if that, you know, maybe help lend to some of those huge melee armies. So I like it. it and it really, which side do you kind of favor? How are you going to go after it, right? So I, I think it'll be in some interesting gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, I don't remember if this one was like a proposed uh, a proposed scenario in a previous packet that didn't get um, approved or finalized, or if it was one of the Brawl Machine ones. 
Uh, it's an interesting one. I, I don't remember from the previous time that we saw it if there was a flag in the middle of the circle zone, but um, I feel like part of the reason why it got scrapped before was because it, it was going to be too difficult to try and win by scenario because of the placement of things of in order to score the opposing flag, you have to destroy the objective which is kind of in a weird spot. It's 12 inches in and, oh, is it 18 inches up? Um, so it's kind of out there on the flank to try and deal with, especially if you don't have a lot of high-powered ranged options. Um, I do like the idea that you can give benefits uh, from your objective to anything that is scoring your flag, which I think is really cool and a great way to kind of leverage some of the unique abilities on the new objectives. Um, at first, by looking at it, because the proportions are weird, um, I was concerned that the circle and the flags were too far apart for something that was like near the edge of the circle or just outside the circle to try and easily get over to contesting the flags just by like advancing or charging. Uh, I was afraid that it was going to have to be a run until I actually measured everything out. And the flags are actually only, um, I believe it's 10 inches away from the edge of the circular zone. So if you are at the very edge of the circular zone, you can walk six inches towards a flag and get within contesting range. Um, or you can charge and get into contesting range, which I think is an important... Um, I think it's an important uh, feature to it yeah. to kind of help add a little bit more balance, but could also slow the game down. It's one of those ones that like, I feel like kind of like anarchy is like, you have to play it to kind of really see the way that everything positioned on the table affects the flow of the battle, uh, whether it slows things down too much. This is one that is difficult to score a lot of points in a single round. I think you can only score. Well, one, two, three, four, five. I mean, I guess you can technically score five in a single turn, but I, I feel like if you're scoring five in a single turn, oh, and I, I um, think if you're scoring five in this turn, your opponent is in a really bad position. They either like basically haven't advanced across the board or they basically don't have anything left. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting about this packet, just kind of on the whole for the scenarios, is um, of the six, four of them have all of the um, uh, scoring elements. They had at least one of each of the scoring elements. Yeah. Uh, Bunkers does not have the circular zone, and then Split Decision does not have the rectangular zone. Mm. And so um, as, a, as an EO, I think it would be fun to, like in a three-round match, to include one of these, um, either one of them um, would be interesting um, because it's gonna, um, you know, if, if you don't have units, you, you need a unit to score the circular zone and you need your battle group to score the rectangle zone. And then, you know, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud because um, usually, you know, our events tend, our local events tend to be three rounds and I wonder how um, how often each one got chosen, and were they all chosen randomly, or were they all chosen yeah. by decision? So, 
It depends. <laughs> depends on the mood of the EO. Um, yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because I'm looking at the previous packet and it looks like it was actually split in half where half of the scenarios had all of the scoring elements and half of them was missing one because yeah. um, because spread the net didn't have objectives and now it does. Right. Uh, Anarchy didn't have a, a rectangular zone. Now it's gone. And then yeah. invade or recon two doesn't have a circular zone. Yep. So I think we're we're either oh, back to the my same. My assessment's wrong because recon still exists. So okay, three. so yeah, we're still th okay. Yeah, so it's we're still, still three. three and okay, three. so that's okay. an interesting way. Yeah, that is interesting. So yeah, I feel like um, I feel like split decision is going to be one of those ones that's going to drive everyone crazy. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you compare it to the one that it replaced though, I like it because anarchy was just so weird to set up. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's just too many weird measurements with, yeah. with split decision. Yeah. <laughs> at least it's symmetrical. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot easier to set up and, uh, yeah. Yeah, especially if you if you accidentally mix up the flag and the and the objective placement in anarchy, it makes things really weird. <laughs> yeah. Which I've done because yeah. you know, because there's no real key, you, you know, to tell you that the triangles are flags and the circles are objectives. Like in, there's nothing yeah. nothing really tells you that. I just yeah. have to I just have to look at a scenario I'm familiar with to remember, oh yeah, yeah. that's you know. That's yeah. the flag. So, and that would and that would be some good feedback for for PP. Somebody, if someone is actively taking part in this, is because um, unfortunately I'm I'm just not because I'm not playing anything, but um, recommending that they have some sort of like just condensed equivalency key on yeah. each of the scenario pages so that you can look at that one page and see um, everything that you need to know without having to reference another sheet. Uh, would be very handy. Um, the icons would be super easy, but I think just like a, um, just a shortened list of the different things that can score um, each of the uh, the elements, I think, would be good too. Yeah, and and I would add another feedback piece for the Steamroller packet is. Um, developing the terrain page a little bit better yeah because if you look at 2019's uh packet it says it, it it has one page dedicated to terrain page six and then it says you know unrestricted terrain dense fog forest hills rough terrain shallow water trenches rubble restricted terrain hazard obstructions and obstacles and and there really isn't a whole lot of description beyond that about how that looks on a table and so are they going to name tall grass for example in the packet with a description are they going to name open grave because that's not in the rule book they're not in the rule book so where is a yeah. player going to find the rules for these um and i i would just like it to be all in one page you know or one location like if you had the rule book handy you know, which is also available on the app or whatever. And then if you have the steamroller packet handy and that's all you needed to, to have with you when you go to game night, 
I think yeah. that's um, I think it's a good organization. So, yeah. but having to you know bookmark website pages where there's a description or go to a forum site to have someone make a ruling or something. But yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. So I said it in the beginning, and I'll say it again. I am excited with the release of the Steamroller packet because now I want to try some of the new terrain stuff and the new scenarios. And that means that I'm going to want to play games again. So yep. I'm happy. Me too. And also some of the recent uh, CAD changes that happened to some legacy models have definitely made me start looking, looking at and be excited about uh, building some circle lists again, um, despite yeah. the fact that I haven't played a game in a long time. So yeah. um, it's, it's kind of a smaller side to that is it's kind of funny that I, people who know me and have had conversations with me about theme lists and things like that in the past, have heard me complain about secret masters in circle about um, not being happy with it. And it seems like in a very slow, very roundabout way, it has become one of the strongest theme forces in circle right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't have anything to do with what they did to the theme force of what they allowed. It had to do with all of the other like adjacent models that got altered or models that became allowed through yeah. like riot quest releases. But like one of the big things was like Selena and the Nis hunters got a points change recently. So instead of being 19 points for a max unit, they're 16 points. That's huge. And that's, that is huge. That is huge. Yeah. And now they're a much more viable option. And now I actually, it has me digging out my Nis hunters to get them repaired, primed, and then eventually get them painted. <laughs> to get Whereas them repaired. Before, I love that you said that. I think well, everyone's Nis hunters are broken. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, except for, uh, I don't know. Oh, man. I don't know if James still has his Nis hunters or if he pinned them for somebody else but i'm pr i'm pretty sure he pinned them for somebody else and did a really good job and whoever it was that has those Nis hunters those things are like never coming apart unless you throw them at a wall nice <laughs> nice hey why don't we transition over to hobby desk what have you been working on so uh this weekend actually i dug out a model or at the end of last week i dug out a model that i had bought a little while ago just because I thought it was a really cool model uh, and I wanted to paint it. I actually got around to painting it. Um, so Runeboard is doing a painting competition. Uh, we've announced it in a couple of different places. Uh, I've announced it in the discords, uh, the initial details. We've announced it on our social media. Uh, so the idea is that it's a single character model or a single model, uh, 60 millimeter or smaller, must be fully painted. Uh, we um, encourage doing some sort of basing with it if it doesn't already have some, or do extra if it does have some. Um, has to be fully painted. Submission begins in June, and you have until the end of June to submit a piece. It does not have to be a model that you paint during this time. It can be something you've already painted uh, that you're welcome to submit. You just have to get it in by the end of June. Um, we are supposed to be taking photo uh, photo submissions, but we haven't hashed out all of the details about that just yet. So if you're interested and you're not necessarily local to us, like if you're in the Salem area um, and can't quite get up here to drop a model off and then come back and get it, um, keep an eye out. We'll make an announcement about photo submissions and things in the future. We also haven't figured out exactly how we're doing voting, 
but the idea is that it's going to be probably more based off of popular vote rather than an actual critiquing on technique or anything like that. The idea is that we want to encourage people to show off stuff that they painted that they're proud of. Um, and so I decided which model I was going to do, uh, and I actually did him this weekend. I'm very, very happy with how he came out. Uh, I did Sigvald the Magnificent from the Heed Knights of Slanesh that came out recently. Uh, he got a model update that's a fantastic sculpt. Um, it's actually the first model that I've ever painted not fully assembled um, because of the way that his capes are and the way that his hair is. It was going to make it very difficult to get to the underside of those pieces and also the back of the model. Uh, and I wanted to get a lot of good detail and everything on there. And very happy with the way that he turned out. Uh, and I'm looking forward to putting him in the case next month sometime and showing him off. So please don't vote for me just because you know it's my piece. I want you to vote for it because you like it. Um, I'm, usually very, I'm usually very, very quiet about what model I submitted because I don't want someone to, I don't want someone to vote for it just because it's mine. Um, I want them to vote for it because they like it, and I encourage the same for other people. Don't don't yeah. play favorites just because you know the person. Yeah, it's nice to know. It's nice to look at the piece and not the and not know who painted it. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. That's cool. I haven't uh, I haven't been doing much hobbying since I had that, that time off. Yeah. Um, but I did get a 3D printer, and yeah. so I started to set up my space for that, and realized that I need to change. Um, <laughs> I need to change my space. So yeah. uh, I, I was off by one inch. So I recommend probably putting it in your garage. Don't leave it in your house <laughs> if you okay. can. Uh, ventilation. Uh, it's very important for 3D printers and resin printers that you have very good ventilation. Yeah, I, I didn't get a resin printer. I didn't get a resin okay. printer. But yeah, I mean, yeah. even 3D printers, like the ventilation of the fumes uh, from the chemicals of it and everything like that, you want it to be in a, in a well-ventilated area. You don't really want to put it in your bedroom. It'll smell bad. Well, then I might need to change, make more changes then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, it, it's fun. Uh, I kickstarted something over the weekend, so I'll I'll have some STL files to practice how to print. Apparently, so um, cool. So, but hey, um, it was a good conversation. Uh, Dan had to drop off a little bit, um, and so we don't get to hear about his hobby progress. Um, but I'm excited to play more games. Just want to put a plug out there for our Discord server. That's where a lot of the action takes place. Um, we have a monthly book club, and this month the book is Shadow and Bone. And if you want to join in, uh, we're meeting this Sunday at 1 p.m. online in one of the chat rooms in our Discord server. And uh, um, it's awesome. So you have time to, to do that. Uh, you can also yeah. just find out. Got a week uh, to read it. <laughs> yeah, you have a week to read it. So uh, let's see. Um, our Thursday night, we have Paint Party, uh, which is awesome. And usually when I get most of my hobby done um, on a week-to-week -week basis and something I look forward to, except for when I have to work, um, which has happened a couple times recently. But um, and, then, um, and then you can support our show in a lot of different ways. You can 
leave us a positive review if you think that we're worthy of it. And then you can also uh, support us through various affiliate links. We have those links on our website, spellstormminiatures.com. And then we have um, them in our Discord server as well. With that being said, I hope everyone has a good one. Thank you.